How's everybody doing this morning? Great. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a sparse crowd, it looks like, from what I'm told. Holiday weekend, and we've got several guys, or folks, I don't know if they're all guys, uh, several folks that have gone over. Do you know how many went? Two? Oh, so this is the scout mission? Okay. Job, but, but they're gonna, once kind of they go from there, they're going to kind of branch off. Yeah. All right. And then they'll, if, if the past is any pattern, they'll probably be going back in a couple more weeks to help more people or whatever once they find out what's going on. Anything else good going on? Well, from what, I, from what I understand, I've never been through boot camp, but from what I understand, losing your voice might not be a bad thing. Because <laughs> you're not going to talk your way into trouble or volunteer for stuff you ought not volunteer for or, you know, whatever. So, uh, well, that's great. How long uh, was it between when he started and when he, when he was able to talk? Um, three years. Okay. Which is a long time. <laughs> Good deal. How about this side of the room? Ralph's here. And he brought Vera. He, he's such a guy. I've noticed that he does that. And you make me look bad, Ralph. <laughs> well, I know he's got, <clears throat> I know he's got Vera, but he, he may or may not have beer. <clears throat> All right, well, we're looking at Proverbs today. We're winding up this study, this little um, overview of Proverbs, and then uh, I'm going to tell you next what we're going to start next week, but I'm not going to tell you that till the end of the class. Don't, don't ruin the secret there, uh, Bruce and um, Matt. Matt's not here. All right, let's pray and we'll start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us again today into your house. Father, it's good to be among your people, but Father, it's even better to be looking at your word and learning from it, learning what you have to teach us. And Father, I pray that we would be faithful to that word, that you would show us, uh, each and every one of us, where in our lives we need to change um, to become more and more like you each day. And Father, I just lift this time up to you. I pray that you would quiet our hearts and quiet our, our minds and let us focus on you. Pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom. So what is wisdom again? That's a clue. 
That's a dictionary definition. How is it different than knowledge? Right, not knowing what to do with it. Yeah. Um, so this, this definition, the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting, um, insight. How do you know if something's lasting if you've never done it before? You can base it on precedent. Right. It works in another context. My experience is not the only experience in the world. You know, I can learn from other people. Do what? Right. And that's what I always taught my, or told my kids. Sometimes they listened, sometimes they didn't. But um, I was the same with my, my father, so I don't, you know, look down on him for it. But, you know, you can learn from my mistakes or you can learn from your mistakes. It's much easier to learn from my mistakes because I've already paid the price. So I can tell you what works in this situation or that situation. Or you can just, you know, do the same thing I I did and pay the same price I paid. Um, That's often why they refer, it, refer to it as ancient wisdom. Right. And you rarely hear new wisdom or brand new wisdom. <laughs> it's, I guess that could technically exist, but it's usually something that's right. kind of handed down from previous generations. It kind of gives it that lasting quality to it. Right. I, I think that's what, what we need to keep in mind about wisdom is it's a body of knowledge and application of that knowledge. So it's... Um, and that's one of the things that we're going to look at today is that it's easy to, to take a proverb and even though it might be true, to, to misapply it. So we need to, need to be careful of that. Here's another one that's a little bit longer, but it says about the same thing. Capacity of judging rightly in matters rela relating to life and conduct. Soundness of judgment in the choice of means and ends. Sometimes, less strictly, sound sense, especially in practical affairs. And the opposite is folly. And so we already, we've already seen that. So basically, you're, using, you're applying knowledge to, to a situation and, and also the, the wisdom from years gone by um, to see what works and, and what doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's where that, that body of knowledge and, and the years of experience, you know, previous, you know, I don't have to make the same mistake. I mean, I don't have to put my, my hand on a hot stove to know that it hurts, right? And that's not a good thing. Uh, so if we, we get that, um, that experience uh, from others, um, that, that helps a lot. What about social media? How does that impact the capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct? <laughs> you gotta be careful. Consider the source. You know. Yeah. Can't believe everything you see on there. Can't believe, <laughs> exactly. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. <laughs> Or that commercial that was on, uh, I can't remember, it was on three or four years ago where the, 
the woman is meeting this guy that she met on the internet, and he was supposed to be a French model or something, and she said, you don't look like a French model, and he goes, bonjour, or whatever. And so, you can't, can't really believe what you're, what you're reading. Um, That's us. <clears throat> we kick that door in and, and walk right in there. Um, and that kind of gets us in trouble sometimes. Um, I can think of one or two instances where I've undertaken a home improvement project of one sort or another based on what I saw on YouTube or whatever. They don't necessarily turn out the way the YouTube people um, have them turn out. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, what are some of the roadblocks uh, to gaining wisdom? Time. What was that? I'm sorry? Time. time. Or your mom and dad, depending on the situation. Right. Right. My dad taught me a lot of things. I mean, he's been dead now for 10 or 12 years, so he's not here to teach me anything else, but, but he taught me a lot through the years. Yeah. You have to seek wisdom. So in order to seek it, you have to kind of know that you don't already have it. <laughs> you have to have some humility. Pride goes before fall. Right. Uh, if you don't think you need to listen to anybody, well, I got all the answers. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> that is not true. So, I mean, did you have did lack of humility? Um, I also said stubbornness, which is the same kind of same same idea there. Um, it's easy to look at at you know, a fool in his folly. But I wanted, want us to look kind of inward because, you know, we're all guilty of being foolish from time to time. And, you know, well, okay, I won't blame you, but I'm guilty of being foolish from time to time, even though I seek wisdom, even though I, you know, meditate on these things in my mind and, and try to make good decisions based on, on you know, the best information I can get. But sometimes, you know, I'm human and, and I make a, a less than wise decision on, uh, on something. Um, so, you know, that's something that we need to look at, look at ourselves for. I can't judge you or, or look into your, your heart, but, but you can look into yours. Um, the other thing about capacity of judging rightly, and I think Frank touched on this, is what standard are you going to be using when you say right? I mean, if you're judging rightly, that means you're comparing to something. So are you 
what standard are we using whenever we're judging what's right and what's wrong? Um, and I think everybody in this room would probably say we're, we're standing on scripture. That's what teaches us right and wrong. And so if we're, if we're standing on that, then we're, um, then we're gonna be much wiser and we're gonna make better decisions. Anybody have anything more to add on that before we move on? Right, right, right. That person who wrote that book might not know more than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and depending on who he is, you know, he might have more sway than, than what he should. Ken, I think you had... And it's amazing how well that works, and sometimes, depending on the situation we're in, that's kind of the last thing we think about. You know, we try everything else, and then, well, I guess I'll just pray. <laughs> we start with that, <laughs> and, and I'm guilty of that, too. I'm, I mean, uh, you know, you, you try to do things, because, you know, honestly, that's the way we're, we're used to handling situations in our day-to-day -day life. I mean, you come to a situation, okay, well, I'll do this. So, you know, sometimes we need to take a step back and, and get some guidance and have humility to know that, well, we don't know the, the best answer in this situation. So, we're gonna kinda do a little bit um, like that word association game where you're not really thinking a lot of, about this, but what is, what is I'm gonna, give you a few Proverbs and, and uh, we're gonna just see what this proverb is telling you or instructing you. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. So what does that say? Don't think about it too much. Wealth protects you. Wealth protects you. And if you're poor, you don't have that protection, right? House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. That is more valuable to have a prudent wife than wealth, material possessions. Yep, that's one way you could look at it. The source of it is superior. The source of it is superior, definitely. Um, Right, so 
it, it, if I was just reading this kind of from a cynical perspective, I would say along those same lines that the, that the wealth and the house don't have anything to do with the Lord. The Lord's given me the spouse, but you know, the wealth and the, and the house are, are on me. And again, that's not what I'm teaching here, but that's what, if, if you're just reading a, a very surface level on these, is what, what we're looking at. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. What's that saying? That's that's pretty lazy when you when your your spoon is in the bowl but you just can't can't bring yourself to put that spoon in your mouth. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. What is that telling us? Well, I, you're you're trying to trying to be cheery around somebody who's sad. Just be compassionate. Right. So so it's not necessarily. Yeah. Yep. It's it's not wise to sing songs to a heavy heart. Weep with those who weep. But see, now you're you're thinking too much into it. You're you're th- bringing other passages involved. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It is. It, it is taking the the perspective that that's reverse. So the whole point of that is is context. Context is important. So we're going to look at these same proverbs again. Well, we'll talk about context in just a minute. The, we'll look at the same Proverbs again, but what was it about each one of these that, that leads us to believe what, we, what, what we're saying about that? It could be the imagery, it could be the comparisons, it could be the con- contrast, exaggerations, understatements. These Proverbs don't have any commandments, so what would the appropriate action be based on this proverb, and why, why would we think that? So a rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Um, so it would be natural to think that, that our protection comes in our wealth, right? Based on this proverb alone. So why would we think that? What about this proverb makes us think that? You could get march right in and take over the whole city. You know, no, no protection. Which is another another point that, you know, some of these proverbs had a different have a different connotation now than what they did then, um, because we don't have strong cities now with the walls and the and the armies and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we've got to kind of apply that to our own our own situation. Um,
Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of like the um, worldly kind of kind of thought is that, that the poverty of the poor is their ruin. I think, yeah, he's probably like a series of observations right. about things that happen. And I think wisdom is applying, is trying to figure out how do we apply the rest of the counsel of Scripture. Right. Exactly. One thing that strikes me from this one is Pensacola actually won a strong city award last year. So yeah. we're the strong town. <laughs> Right. With using their resources to protect others. And I think one takeaway from that, you know, for our culture is just, you know, how do we how do we who have a strong city envelop others in that strong city? You know. But I think that the wisdom part of it is like, okay, so this is true, but yeah. what do we get out of it? You know, right. how do we apply it? Right. And I think that's exactly the point that, that the author of the study was trying to make. I mean True or false? Is this is this proverb just stand stands on its own, you know, trying to take away the spiritual aspects of it? But does this proverb hold up in life? Is it better, you know, maybe legally or whatever, to be rich than it is to be poor? If I'm going to court, would I be better off if I had money for? the top flight attorneys and the top flight witnesses and the top flight, all that other kind of stuff? Absolutely. Well, probably not in the overall context. Right. Right, but I'm just talking about this, this proverb standing on its own without context. She, she said, uh, and she said everybody's $400 away from bankruptcy. Um, it's it's close, closer than what we, we like to think. <clears throat> Alton, uh, and the same thing again, what is it about this, this proverb? Um, is this proverb wrong? Just standing on its own? Not generally, not practically speaking. Do what? Well, yeah, you got to look at it in, in the context of their society where that's... Yeah. Well, are you going to pass anything down to your kids? Whether it's your house or, or anything else? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm going for. I want to I wanna slide in with a zero balance. That's what it says in the Proverbs, a fool devours everything that he has. There you go. <laughs> See, I told you I'm foolish sometimes. Be careful. <clears throat> so, but it, it's a word picture, and, and the picture itself is not incorrect. True, it's not the whole picture, and that's, that's what, we're, what we're talking about here. Um, 
the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Um, I don't know that anybody is that lazy. I mean, that would be, that would be pretty bad. Um, but there are some lazy people in this world. Um, and that type person, if you offer them the way out, if it in involves effort on their part, they're not going to, to do it. Is that all the people that are poor or all the people that are, you know, whatever? No. It's true for some people. But it's a word picture that we can, that we can kind of hang on to. Um, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like, like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Um, the first time I ever had a, a loss in my life that was, that was close, uh, close to me, that was one of the things that really got me is I didn't want to be around happy people. I mean, I was, I was still in the grieving process. My next door neighbor at the time threw a big Christmas party every year. And I mean, people would come from all over the country to come to this party. Um, great party. But it really ticked me off because my dad died not long before Christmas. It really ticked me off when all these people are, you know, parking in front of my house and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she did nothing wrong. I mean, but it was, it was my grief and it was my thing that I had to work through and, and you know, go through. And, you know, um, she was a great neighbor, so I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything about like that. But for me, it was like vinegar on soda inside my own heart because of what I was going through. Um, so I didn't want to be around anybody who, had, who was happy right then. So if somebody had tried to sing me a happy song to try to cheer me up, that wouldn't have done any good. That would have done just the opposite of, of what it did. So now we're going to give a little bit more context. So um, we know from Scripture that, that reality is reality, whether we want to accept it or not, right? And we're all old enough to know that that's the case, unlike a lot of people on social media who want to believe that they can create their own reality and that's truly reality. Well, it isn't. Reality is going to bite you. Um, so the individual Proverbs make sharp observations about the nature of things. And this goes back to what real wisdom is. It gives us insight into to how things really are. Um, but you have to be careful. And by the nature of how the Proverbs are written, they're easy to take out of context and in context is our friend. Um, I had a, I, I've mentioned this before, but it, it really struck me like, I don't, I've never been struck by this before, but I have a friend that um, is in a different um, religious tradition, and um, he told me, because we were discussing a Bible passage that I thought he was incorrectly interpreting, and he said to me, how many times does God have to say it before it's true? Well, what's the answer to that? One. I mean, God only has to say it one time, and it's true. The problem is, if you're basing an entire theology on one verse, or one part of a verse in this case, you're, and, and there's a lot of verses that say something else, chances are you're misinterpreting that, that part of that verse that you think says something. So, God only has to say it once, but we need to interpret correctly what God has said. And that's where we have to have context. Uh, because as you've seen, uh, these, these proverbs, if you take them out of context, they'll, they'll, um, 
lead you down a road that's not what God had intended. So a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Um, Also a proverb is, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. So we want to be righteous rather than wealthy. Um, Can you be righteous and wealthy? Sure. So, um, and you remember when Solomon um, was elevated to be king and God asked, told him, um, you know, what, what would you like me to give you? And what, did, what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom instead of riches. And then he got both, but he wanted the wisdom. So that shows humility that we were talking about. Um, So yeah. A bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Now if you're going to take that that verse out of context, what's it going to tell you to do? Bribe everybody. Just, you know, right, you know, everywhere you go. um, Give it it out, because that's, you know, you're going to prosper. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. So if we're going to be unjust to people in order to get rich, there's going to be a price to pay for that. The wicked accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. So there's going to be a price to pay for that. That's not how godly people act. That's not how wise people act. So we're not going to give bribes. We're not going to accept bribes. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Um, you think that's true? In a sense, it is. Because if you're wealthy, you're going to have a lot of people around you. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the prodigal son. Um, when he was away with, all, all, with his dad's money, with his inheritance... He had lots of friends until the money ran out. And once the money ran out, he was, he was all alone in the pig pen. You think about these like, kind of guys that make big in the NFL or the you know, big leagues. All of a sudden, they got all kinds of cousins come out of the woodwork and they've got an aunt they never met and an uncle and all starts showing up, you know, buy me a car, help me with my house, help me start a business. And all these people come out of the woodwork. And then when they lose it, which a lot of them do, sadly, all those folks just kind of disappear. Back into the woodwork. Right, right, right. And a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So a true friend is going to be there, regardless. Um, and of course, we have the the example of that in Jesus, that says, "Now I call you friends." He stays closer than a brother. He's always going to be there for us, no matter what. Um, yeah. And I just think that, that that had to break his heart because he knew, in fact, he told him, you know, y'all are all going to scatter. 
And, uh, you know, when it came to, the, came to the end, there was only one left there. Um, but they came back. And then this is the, the classic one that, that's, you know, everybody always says, and, and answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Is that true? I think so. We're getting there. <laughs> so even secular people know that, is you've got to be careful whenever you're, uh, you're arguing with a, with a fool because um, they'll, uh, they'll drag you down and, and then beat you with their experience. But the next verse says, like Ken was saying, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Do you answer him or do you not answer him? There you go. That's where wisdom is. So um, I usually, if I'm talking to somebody who's saying some, something that's foolish, um, kind of base it on the person. And here again, this is the same kind of thing on, on the Internet. You know, you've seen the meme, or you may, may or may not have seen the meme that's, you know, this guy, and he's got big bags under his eyes or whatever, and he said, there's somebody wrong on the Internet, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to correct him. <laughs> you know, well, there's always somebody wrong on the Internet, and so you'll never correct them all. Plus, people are, are so tied up to what they think they know, you're never going to convince most of them. So if, you, if you're talking with somebody who is not open to discussing reasons why they believe what they believe or reasons why what you believe might be right and what they believe is is wrong what's the point if they're not if they're not open to to discussing anything if they're just hostile to the whole idea um then you both are going to be um you both going to look kind of silly if you're arguing um that reminds me of another story i've told more than once on a sports board uh message board, this guy and I, he's, he's a uh, Baptist, and of course I'm Presbyterian, and we were talking about baptism on sports, on a sports board, because it was, you know, a wide-ranging thing. It was a good discussion. The problem was there was also an, an unbeliever on there, an, an avowed atheist, and so he was watching this discussion, and we weren't mean to one another. He was watching this discussion go back and forth about baptism, whether it should be immersion or, you know, sprinkling or kids or believers, you know, whatever. And um, he said, the, the atheist came on there and he goes, why would I believe any of that? Because you guys can't even agree. You got the same Bible and you guys can't even agree. Why, why am I going to be, you know, like, okay, fair point. <laughs> so we were both looking like fools to the guy we really should have been talking to. Um, so um, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And it is a valid technique sometimes if somebody's willing to have a discussion to carry their own idea to its logical conclusion. Okay, so you want to do this. Okay, that's going to come next, right? Yeah. That's going to come next, right? Yeah. That's going to come next. Is that a good outcome? And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, seeing down the line to, to make a better decision now if we can see down the line what what the pros and the cons are going to be or likely to be 
So if you can give a fool uh, kind of the extension of, of what they, um, where that, their decision goes, then, then that's, that's helpful. You, you just made them mad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just aggravates the situation the more you try to, the more you try to change it. So that's where, the, that's where wisdom comes in. You have to be able to um, feel out the situation. So the point that I think our study's author was trying to make here is that we can't expect a single proverb to tell us everything we need to know about a certain situation. The proverbs tell us true information, but then we have to take the, 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 the body of knowledge and, and apply it. And that's why we need to know more about, uh, more about scripture uh, than what we know. Um, and just a silly example that I thought of, you know, the, the, it's non, non-biblical, but the, um, there's a saying that says the early bird catches the worm, um, meaning, you know, you need to get up and about and, and get your thing. But it's also true that the second mouse gets the cheese. So sometimes it's better, sometimes it's better not to jump in. <laughs> sometimes it's better to lay back a little bit. You just made up that second one. I've heard that. You never heard that one? Oh, come on. Procrastinators... Procrastinators like me, we live on that. We never heard the worm. That's right. See, you were out chasing the worm. So yeah, so um, you know, it, you got to just use your wisdom, and, and it takes a, a body of knowledge, and, and you really don't want to be tying up a whole uh, theology on on one uh, one verse uh, because that can can lead to problems. There you go. <laughs> That's wisdom, right? <laughs>